Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee, and... Uh... I'm kind of envious of you. You are? Yeah. You get to live right next to the water. I do. And this is a time of year that's just getting exciting. It's, it's not even just exciting, Rick. It's, it's captivating. Uh-huh. Uh, I will tell you that we have some herons that land almost every day in our yard and you'll just sit there and st- see them standing there with those big, long pterodactyl yeah. legs and they'll yeah. extend their wings. And then they start cruising across the different lawns from neighbor to neighbor uh-huh. because we don't have fences up. And I swear I could spend half an hour in the mornings when I don't have a half an hour. I really should be getting out the door <laughs> and going to work. But I admit to you, I'm so captivated by the sight of it. It really is an absolute pleasure to watch. Well, just this morning, uh, for the listening audience, they don't know this, but today's topic is going to be about uh, uh, bird watching and getting some experts, things that you and I aren't necessarily, you more than I, but neither of us are necessarily experts. Uh, we're going to get them on the show, but, uh, you know, it was, I think it was seven in the morning, rolled in this morning, and I'm thinking, oh, shoot, what's our show going to be? And then it then it dawned on me as I listened a little bit and heard <laughs> all the birds outside, and I was listening to the different uh, 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 sounds and trying to put, uh, you know, words to them. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I've never been to great memory, so it seems like every year, it's a new discovery for me. Well, no, it's but, something that we all take for granted, I'm sorry to say. And then when you actually listen and take a moment to enjoy nature's symphony, and, yeah, and that's yeah. what I've literally called it, it's such a pleasure to be able to enjoy because unlike your own pets, you don't necessarily have to care for them on an everyday basis and yet you get to enjoy them. You don't have to be responsible for feeding them necessarily, but yeah. they come around and it's just it, it, it's something that we're blessed with and so few people think about it. They're just they take it for granted and they really shouldn't. Now do you get outside a lot? Um, you know, exercise, walk the dogs, do you get to spend much time outdoors? I used to much more than I do now, and I'm sorry to say that because the truth is those used to be my favorite times of the day was when I would be out in nature with the dog enjoying all of the different critters that I would see. Some I didn't love to see when the snake would roll past oh, me come on. on the trails. <laughs> I wasn't always thrilled. But I get excited about that. I understand that. Uh, and when the turtles came by, I was excited about that during the week where it's turtle passing because they just are well. zooming by you. But uh, it makes for an interesting thing. But here's the thing, Rick, and I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to live on water 
to enjoy it. And there's places like one of our guests today, we've got the Harris Nature Center on, and they've got some amazing trails, some amazing water, and some amazing birds. And we're going to talk with Katie Adams, who is the senior naturalist, and she knows a heck of a lot about it. And they're going to talk about the ways to interact with them that maybe go into the nature center. It kind of ups the game, right? They have some, let's just say, capacity uh, to amplify nature. So I'm anxious to hear what uh, Katie Adams has to say. I'm I'm anxious to share that with the public. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, maybe after somebody sits down and listens to this show, um, they get up, they they go out, they go find uh, their note their their favorite nature spot and just spend a little bit more time thinking about what's out there. And today it's birds, but there's more noises out in the woods than just that. So. Yeah, I would prefer that it's Katie who tells them about them instead of Siri, because bottom line is, I think Katie can show it in a more natural way. And also to talk about the conversation, and I'm going to say they're not related, but Kirby Adams is going to be with us, and he is a notorious birder as well, somebody who has written books and articles and spends a significant amount of his time in uh, various parks and observing, and he's a great source of info. You know, what's really fantastic is when passion meets intelligence. Yeah. Uh, he is just one incredible person with a brain that I'm envious of, but also a passion that I, I, I can't match. You know, when it comes to birds and, and wild birds, you know, he puts, he puts the tires where his mouth is. He gets that vehicle out and he drives just about everywhere, right. including anywhere throughout the United States. He's got a perspective that we should be envious of. Well, we've got two members of the Adams group. Uh, there will be no Wednesday. There will be no Morticia. But bottom line is you can hear what the Adams have to say this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. That's the Woody Woodpecker song. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that? It's a party. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. Too late. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line an old friend of yours and a friend of the show. He's been on with us many times. It's Kirby Adams, and he is an author and just one of the bigger birders that you're going to find in this area. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Kirby. Yeah, glad to be here again, Lee. Oh. I always know it's a happy time of year when you and Rick want to talk about birds with me. Yeah, yeah and, and I I got to ask, uh, in the last year, have you put any uh, miles on your car? Uh, quite a few, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's been a lot of burning. Not so much flying these days, but I've been driving around looking at a lot of things. That's good. That's good. Well, with the price of gas, Kirby, you might want the birds to fly to you. Well, yeah, there's always that. I, I'm still working on looking for those birds within five miles of my house. I think we talked about that a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm still working on that list and sticking close to home, too. Well, that and that brings up a topic. Um, you're, you're out there. Uh, I must admit I'm within the four walls of the store and, and Lee between the station and making sales calls and hanging out at home. 
probably not out there seeing what's going on. We might listen in the morning, but you're out there on a regular basis. What are we seeing this year? What's kind of cool in the birding world? Well, there's a lot about to happen. We're at that period where winter's just about ending now. So some of the birds that have been here all winter, like the juncos and the American tree sparrows and the rough-legged hawks, those guys are going to be packing up shop and heading north again for breeding. And then we're getting some of the first arrivals from migration are going to be showing up here. In fact, some of them have already, like killdeer, you'll hear them out in farm fields and anywhere there's a big flat surface. Uh, we've also had the sandhill cranes are back. You hear them flying over all over southern Michigan. And some of the things like uh, fox sparrows, uh, eastern phoebes, those guys are going to be showing up soon, too. So this is that period where uh, we're just about to get the first big influx of birds, and then it's just wave after wave the whole way through May. You know, um, the general public probably sees birding as someone else's sport, Um, probably because, one, lack of knowledge of the types of birds that are out there, and probably maybe some lack of equipment. Uh, But if you were to just give an appeal based on, you know, kind of your deep-seated passion for this, what kind of um, what kind of encouragement would you would you give for just the average person that's out there that doesn't really understand or appreciate what really is gifted out there in in the great great uh, state of Michigan here? I don't think people realize how many birds and how much variety there is to see, and it's literally anywhere you are. But even particularly in Michigan, Michigan's one of the best states in the country for birding. But even if you're living in downtown Lansing, downtown Detroit, I don't care where you are, you're going to be able to look out your window and see some interesting birds. And if you look long enough, you're going to see some things that you had no idea lived there. You know, things like uh, black-billed cuckoos and birds like that, that when I say that name, you might think, well, that's a bird that lives in Africa. No, that's a a typical North American bird, and if you know what you're looking for, you may see one perched in a tree outside your house downtown. It's just knowing what to look for and spending the time doing it. Uh, The more you bird, the more you learn about it, and it's birds bring a lot of joy, so I would say if you have the chance to, spend some time just sitting outside and seeing what you see. Well, we've got some magic ingredients in Michigan because I would imagine that trees and water are two pretty significant magnets when it comes to drawing a lot of species of birds. Yes, the the Great Lakes, you really can't beat that, what we get with those all through the year. Even in the winter, we have so many uh, ducks and grebes and loons that are migrating through that people in other parts of the country never get to see unless you're on the coast. So we kind of have the best of being inland and being near a, a seashore, except in our case, it's lake shores. And then we also have the UP, which has some of the, the boreal forest, the, the far northern stuff. So we have boreal chickadees and spruce grouse and great gray owls and things like that, that normally you have to be in northern Canada, Finland, Norway, places like that to see those type of birds. We can get those in Michigan right here in the UP. And then in the southern corner down near Indiana, we've got some things like hooded warblers and worm-eating warblers and things that are typically found in the south that you think about in Kentucky and Tennessee. So 
the state is positioned perfectly with all the lakes around us, and it's a really tall state, so we go from the north to the south, and uh, pretty much the best of everything. I think it's one of the top five burning states in the country. Now, basic tool set, pair of binoculars could be all you need to really get started? Yeah, and you don't necessarily even need that. If you've got a tree pretty close to your house, your eyes work just fine, and uh, maybe just your ears. You can sit inside and uh, open your window and listen and learn to identify birds by call. There are actually a lot of people who don't have the benefit of sight who go out. There's a a blind birders group that uh, is very active, and they go out and they hear the birds, and a lot of them monitor bird song and, and record all of that stuff. So you don't even necessarily need to be able to see them. It's just being near where the birds are, and that's all you need to start. If you want to move in a little further, get yourself a field guide and some entry-level binoculars, and you're you're officially a birder. Well, now, the other tool that I think is very valuable for people to have is now I, I constantly knock cell phones because you see all these people everywhere taking selfies. But I would say to you that you can make some amazing picture guides in your telephone just by having it with you when you see some of these birds and to have a compass as part of your cell phone so you don't get lost in the middle of nowhere when you're out there doing it, which I am famous for having done. So bottom line is those are two tools that most people have standard just on a smartphone. Yeah, when I take go out birding, I have my phone with me and I will record the birds on the eBird app from uh, the University of Cornell. So my sightings are there for everyone else to see and for scientists to use if they want them. And I can also record the sounds so you can hear the birds singing and insert that. I can take a video of the bird on my phone. It geotags it to exactly where I was. So, yeah, it's birding in the age of technology. But some people think it's not as romantic as it used to be, but I think it's awesome for the scientific benefit of that. You know, uh, the other thing I was wondering is, if, is there something that some place in some time for which somebody could put on their calendar where many birders would go because there's this grand event? And I'm and I'm thinking about where I've overheard you talk about Sandhill Cranes, um, and having a, a, a big event. Um, and, and I think that maybe that would be kind of maybe a, you know, kind of a really this happens kind of moment for somebody that really wants to get into it. Could you comment on that? Yeah, it is. And that's kind of how I got into it originally. I had done some traveling and had noticed birds and was kind of keeping a list, but it wasn't until I went to some of these notable events. Like you mentioned with the cranes, Every fall in October, uh, there's a crane festival down in uh, Bellevue, Michigan, where there's a gathering of thousands of cranes, and you can go out there and you sit on a hill and you watch the cranes come in at night and roost. And seeing and hearing thousands of sandhill cranes in one place is just phenomenal. And then in the spring, we have migration coming through with all the bright-colored warblers and tanagers and vireos. And those can be seen pretty much anywhere. If you have some trees and some water nearby, you're going to see that. But if you really want to see a concentration of them going up to Tawas Point in second to third week of May, maybe a little bit into the fourth week of May, 
at Tallis State Park. Uh, you walk out there, and there are just birds everywhere. It's a peninsula that juts into Lake Huron. So as the birds are flying along, they follow the shoreline, and they kind of go out there and get themselves a little bit disoriented and trapped out on that peninsula, so they stop and catch their bearings. And if you're standing there, you can just see birds literally raining from the sky uh, all around you. It's a phenomenal event. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking um, that's about the same time that people think about getting into their car and going over to Holland for the big Holland Festival, you know, for that ground cover of uh, beautiful, you know, tulips. cultured tulips. Yep. But yep. you know what? I would almost think that maybe this year someone might want to think about changing that 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 uh, uh, direction and go northeast a little bit and and see exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, you sure. can actually see all the color flying yeah. instead of just sitting there <laughs> wait, waiting to wilt, yeah. you know. And if you still want to go to Holland, you can go to Holland State Park uh, right around dawn, and you will see a lot of those same birds, too. A little more spread out, a little harder to find, but you'll catch them there, and then you can go out to the shoreline and see all kinds of ducks and loons and grebes migrating, too. Well, and I know one of the occasions, and unfortunately, the date for it is not one people look forward to, but come tax day, April 15th, that's usually the arrival of the hummingbirds. And so if you are prepared and have some feeders out there, it can be an amazing sight as they come in and discover your home because they'll keep coming back again and again if they know there's a food source. Yes, that's endless entertainment to have hum hummingbirds at your feeders, especially once word gets around in the hummingbird community and they all start <laughs> showing up because people don't realize how aggressive hummingbirds can be. Male hummingbirds don't uh, tolerate each other too well, so sometimes you'll get them really buzzing around and yelling at each other at the feeders. Go outside and listen to it. You can actually hear them chirping at each other, so hummingbirds are super entertaining in that way and if you have a feeder they'll probably nest in some trees nearby and you'll start getting to see all that kind of behavior and i'm just curious on uh in the case i get to watch fish and uh you know one one gets the scent of food and it doesn't matter where they're at and how big the aquarium is it's immediately like a feeding frenzy whether they want to or not they'd rather that everybody else ignored them but unfortunately, for the one fish that got to the food ring first, uh, everybody else joins in. How does that work with hummingbirds? What's I, it, how do they how do they like know that uh, you know Joe went off and he found the spot, and and then they all come following the for the opportu uh, opportunity to do that. Yeah. Any any insight well, on that? That happens a couple ways. The first time that Joe showed up, it was because he saw your feeder and the bright red color on it. There's yeah. a reason that hummingbird feeders are red. That's that's to attract them. And if you ever go down to the tropics, you'll see in the jungle it's solid green and you have little patches of like bright red flowers. A, a lot of the jungle flowers are red. That's to attract hummingbirds the same, and other nectar-feeding birds. So that's why your feeders are colored that way. It's to give them that flower nectar idea in their brain. So the first guy shows up, and some of the other ones probably will for that reason. But then it's also just as they encounter each other, they'll tend to follow each other around and see what they're doing. 
And there may also be some chemical or other communicative tools that we don't even know about yet. Where we know very little about how birds communicate with each other. So we know what songs and calls mean to some degree, but what else, what other information spreads, we don't really know. Well, I know that you're right about the color because the same thing is true when we put the oranges out uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. And next thing you know, they're flocking around and they're amazing in terms of their colors to look at and see once you attract them. So uh, it can be just, as Rick said, it's like watching the flowers, the colors, but they fly <laughs> and they move. Yeah. And it's great. And so, like Orioles look like they're tropical birds and you'd think you had to go to Central America to see that, but nope, they're right here in Michigan. Exactly. When we come back, Kirby, I want to bring up eagles. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk more about eagles. Um, rumor has it there might be a few types around in the area, and uh, I think people are fascinated, especially bald eagles. So when we come back. Yeah, and I'm not the only bald one around here. So we'll have that conversation with Kirby Adams right here on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning all about the arrival of the birds. It's going to be spring and boy, can I not wait for it. But uh, someone else who I know appreciates it as much or more than me is our guest, Kirby Adams. And he is an infamous, uh, I don't know if I would say that, maybe just famous. He is a famous. He, he is, is maybe famous. just famous but there's a lot of people who know about your passion for birds kirby so if you were trying to play it off like you're not sorry we know the truth so the word uh, is out <laughs> the word's out uh, talking about the words out um i'm just curious we we just went through covid and life's changed in many ways and uh, you know maybe activities that uh, were commonplace from uh you know, just maybe plush vacation spots to um, indoor events and such have, have been far and few between. How has the bird watching community responded to COVID and this uh, changed behavior in uh, human activity? Well, I think a lot of people were looking for hobbies and things to help them get through a period of being stuck at home a lot. And we definitely saw that in the birding community and groups like the American Birding Association for the past two years. We've gotten tons and tons of posts that say, what is a good pair of binoculars to start bird watching?" and questions like that. What's the best field guide for me? I've never birded before. And there used to be you know, one or two of those posts a week, and then it turned into several a day over the past couple of years during the pandemic. So mm. people are definitely getting into it. And I'm even seeing some you know, celebrities and famous people that have YouTube channels and their social media feeds talking about how they've gotten into birds and that they saw a brown creeper on the tree outside their hotel room or something like that. So it's fascinating how people picked up that hobby and it's it's perfect because it's something that you can do anywhere even if you're stuck at home so i think that's great that people have found that and if anything good could come out of the pandemic it's that some of these hobbies that help people cope with things have become more prominent 
Well, Kirby, one of the things that uh, I've seen recently or at least heard about is the fact that it used to be if I wanted to see an eagle or a bald eagle especially, I had to be tubing on the Asabo River in order to find them. But the truth is I'm hearing that you can see them around here with pretty great regularity. Is there a fact to that comment? Oh, yes, definitely. And that's one of the most amazing things to me because I'm of an age, I'm almost 50 years old. When I was growing up, eagles were rare. Uh, I lived in Pennsylvania, and you just did not see them anywhere. You got you guys had a few more here in Michigan, but they were tough to find. And then gradually there were more and more of them, and now it's a pretty common bird. I see an eagle at least every week just driving to work. Sometimes for a period of several days in a row, I'll see one sitting somewhere. So they are around. Uh, the bald eagles like water. So all along the Grand River, you have the potential to see them hanging out during nesting period. There may even be a nest of them somewhere. I have a friend who has some along the Looking Glass River north of here, So, uh, and definitely the lake shores. And in winter, you can see them gathering anywhere that there's open water. So sometimes along the rivers or where there might be some food available, they do scavenge on roadkill deer and things like that. So uh, another friend of mine sent me a picture of 30 of them in a field uh, feasting on what was probably a deer that had expired out in the field there. So this time of year, there are definitely eagles all over the place and that is just fabulous. So, so what what kind of variety of eagles are there in Michigan? I mean, to me, I, there could be four species. There could be twenty. I'd have no idea. Well, there are two that you can see with relative ease. One of them that you're definitely going to recognize: the bald eagle. Everybody knows what a bald eagle looks like: the white head and white tail. The other one that we tend to get here are golden eagles. And that's usually during migration and in the winter. But uh, late fall and early spring, you can see golden eagles flying over. And they're usually up high, and you have to know what you're looking for on the wings. There are some white patches on the wings that are very notable if you look in a field guide. Uh, When they do land, you can see that they have a a very clear gold nape. The back of the head is, is golden and they are just stunning-looking birds. Typically, you would see them out west in mountainous regions, but they do migrate through here. So golden eagles are, are the other ones that we typically get. And, and anything other than that would be an extreme rarity from Asia, but it I, could happen. I guess I was uh, my mind a little cloudy, uh, but I was also spreading that also, meaning eagles and falcons and other Yeah, like turkey um, vultures. or, or yeah, oh, raptor, yeah, raptor-type animals. Yeah, peregrine falcons are becoming more numerous, just like eagles have. And there's a pair that nests in in Lansing regularly. Uh, We have a lot of hawks, uh, red-tailed hawks. This time of year, you start seeing pairs of them everywhere. Uh, You see two red-tailed hawks sitting very close to each other. The big one's the female, the smaller one's the male. Uh, and there's probably a nest nearby. Hmm. So raptors like that are uh, you know, not just the eagles, but, yeah, you're right, they're uh, hawks and falcons all over the place. And they can be a lot of fun to see because they don't scare as easily as some other birds do. So they'll just kind of sit there and let you stare at them for a while. 
Now, one thing I I just had read and, and you see when you go through your Facebook feedings is, um, you know, concerns for wildlife um, safety. And that is that, you know, you see pictures of wildlife that have, like birds specifically, that have died because there's um, pellets from a shotgun that they've consumed. Are there steps, is there, in the birding community, is there any messages that, that, that birders want to get out for like human activities that are most destructive for, for, for this, this particular um, hobby? Yeah, two of the big ones are, as you mentioned, not using lead shot for hunting because lead poisoning is very severe for raptors, especially things like eagles and hawks. And one of the other ones would be letting poisons out into the environment. If you're poisoning rodents in your garage or barn and they're getting outside, birds are very potentially eating them and they're getting poisoned too. So anytime you can eliminate those kind of toxins getting out into the environment, it's a good thing, especially for those predatory birds, because it all concentrates in them, and that's a very bad thing in that case. Okay. Now, Kirby, we don't have much time left, but for people who have never done this before, if it's going to be their first time going out, what do you recommend? How should they go about doing this? Because for some people, it could be a little bit intimidating to be out in nature uh, by themselves, not necessarily knowing what they're doing and where they are. And is there maybe an app that you can send them to that might might assist them? Yeah, I would say for people in the greater Lansing area, contact the Capital Area Audubon Society. Uh, Take a look online. You can find them pretty easily. They do walks at Fenner Nature Center and Waldemar and places like that. So that's a great way to get started because you'll have some people that are experienced to point things out to you, and you won't just be standing there saying, well, that's a pretty bird, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. So they can tell you what the bird is and how to find more of them, and that just adds to your enjoyment. So that's the best thing is to find a birding group nearby. And and we are blessed. Uh, We have, um, I immediately think of three nature centers, uh, Waldemar, Fenner, and Harris. So I would imagine each of them have programs that are going to be particularly helpful at, at, at the novice understanding what they're looking at. Yeah, anytime you can find a bird walk or you know field trip that's being led by somebody, uh, that is something to take advantage of because you'll be amazed how much you'll learn just from being around people that are used to spotting them. Uh, it's every time somebody goes out with me who's new to birding, they're like, how are you seeing all these things? Oh, it's just experience. I've been out so much that I know exactly where to look and where the bird is going to be. So it makes me look like I'm some kind of a wizard or something, but it's actually just experience. Yeah, sure. Well, sure. C- well Kirby, you're a wizard to us, and we want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing the information. We've been speaking with Kirby Adams. And in the meantime, we need to take another break. And when we come back, we'll talk with Katie Adams from the Harris Nature Center right here on 1320 W. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest. It's Katie Adams. And Katie's with the Harris Nature Center. And correct me if I'm wrong, are you the senior naturalist? Do I have that title right? Yeah, Senior Park Naturalist and Nature Center Coordinator. Fantastic. And how long have you been with Harris now? 
I've actually been with the Harris Nature Center for going on 19 years. <laughs> Nine. Been around. <laughs> 19 yeah. years. What, did you start yeah. when you were four? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We'll, we'll <laughs> pretend I was that, that young. <laughs> well, congratulations, and we might Thanks. as well bring it up early on since you mentioned you've been there for 19 years. So there's an important celebration that's going to be taking place this year for Harris Nature Center, why don't you share with our audience exactly what it is that you guys are going to be celebrating? That's right. Yeah, the Harris Nature Center is celebrating its 25th anniversary. So we've been here 25 years, still growing, still going strong, and we're going to be doing little celebrations throughout the whole year. So people will will be able to keep hearing about it. Social media, we're going to be putting Throwback Thursdays on there so you can see what it was and what it's become through the years. And um, we're going to have a big event on, um, which would the day after the anniversary, if you will, July 23rd is a Saturday. We're going to have a day from basically sun up to sundown full of free programming. So um, people can watch for that as we, as we celebrate that day. Well, that's pretty exciting. I can remember back in the old days, uh, dating way back, uh, I remember putting in a, a turtle exhibit back in 97, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the year they opened up. So, yep, and that that exhibit's still going strong, and it's beautiful. And yeah, now we have we have two from Bruce, two different yeah. exhibits yeah. that have it's come been, in over it's that been twenty-five Super, years. super working yeah. with uh, the organization, and uh, uh, I can't say enough about how uh, the priority of the township and the priority of the community puts something like this on the map and has created something from you know just a house on the hill. And it's now Absolutely. something very substantial and very, um, very impressed with what advancements have been made. And it's only, you know, partly due to the the county they need that support, but also the community of individuals out in the community that have supported lots of uh, financial support on on projects that you have and continue to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I do want to. Our topic for today is going to be birds, and we're just hoping that birds have showed up there <laughs> now that we're heading into the spring. Uh, do you have anything out there? Yeah, so um, it's actually getting getting noisy in a good way, so it's it's always fun to show up out here first thing in the morning, and you're just, you're just starting to hear all the bird calls. So we have your the common things that are rolling back in, like the geese, um, and we're hearing sandhill cranes flying over. We're spotting uh, great blue heron. Um, and believe it or not, we are starting to see uh, a, a, a big increase of bald eagle sightings, which huh. is super exciting. Um, they usually just pass through here, but we're seeing those. Um, this is a hot spot for warblers. So if people are warbler watchers, um, they're going to want to come, you know, follow the trails along the river and watch for, for different kinds of warblers coming back soon, too. Well, the good news is, Katie, I heard someone who was bragging about having heard the Sandhill Cranes, and that meant for sure that springtime was not (laughs) too far away. And that is encouraging news for everyone because, correct me if I'm wrong, it's supposed to be 50 degrees this weekend, and that tells me that if I know Michiganders, they're going to be out there at your place walking around in shorts and T-shirts. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's looking like a, a great couple of days as far as temperatures, and that's certainly going to bring 
bring everybody flying back in. So birds and people. <laughs> so, so inevitably we have people that, uh, are wanting to explore this and explore that maybe at least the nature center for the first time and maybe in the, uh, the passion of, uh, bird watching, uh, how do, how's the general public get involved and what do you have to offer that might help them along this, the pathway of understanding the, the birds we have in, in our great state of Michigan? Yeah, so um, they can always stop in, of course, and ask us any questions they want. We have a nice theater station set up outside of our, our classroom windows so people can come and watch the birds, get familiar with some of the more common ones. And then our trails here are open dawn to dusk every day, so people can come out with their binoculars and explore out here even when the building's not open. We also have a new um, bird observation deck that we put in last year, um, the foundation, the Harris Nature Center Foundation helped us to fund that along with uh, great community members that helped to support that. And it's a completely um, fully accessible observation deck. It has the built-in binoculars that you would see, let's say, even if you went to Niagara Falls or something. So we have binoculars out there. Nice. Uh, we have a beautiful sign with bird photos by local photographers so you can see some of the birds that you might see in that meadow. Um, so you can come and explore that as well. We also um, offer trail talks once a month, too, on a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and that's a good opportunity to be to be out with a naturalist and spotting um, birds, among other things that you might see, like wildflowers, anything that's going to start coming up this spring. I'm just curious, where did you put the uh, bird landing? Yeah, so it's um, it's in one of our meadows. So it's along what we call our blue trail. So if people were to come out here, it's a it's a fairly short trail. You take the paved trail in, you turn right onto the first natural path, and um, and that takes you right to the the bird overlook out nice. in the meadow. Yeah. Nice. Now, Katie, is there a specific time of day or type of day? that is especially good for people who really aren't experienced bird watchers but would really like to see something that they just don't typically see at home like the bald eagles or some of the other birds that you mentioned. Yeah, so birds are um, most active when it comes to springtime. They're most active in the early morning hours. So when the sun's starting to come up, you start to hear them singing they get real active. Uh, they'll visit the feeders a lot more frequently first thing in the morning. So my suggestion to people would be to come out as early as you can, you know, when the sun comes up and be here for, for the birds waking up. Um, as the daytime goes on, um, and if it gets rainy or something like that, that there tends to be a lot less activity. But um, I, I once heard um, that birds will sing through a rainstorm, if the rainstorm's going to be short, sweet, and to the point, but if it's going to be extended for a couple of days, they won't waste their time singing. They'll just wait until it's over with. Little forecasters <laughs> they are, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Does we it seem to hold true? Does it, does it hold true? It, from does, your... it definitely seems to hold true. I've, I've been observing that for years now, and it's really interesting that you can, you can count on how short the rainstorm's going to be based on if, are the birds singing or aren't they. Yeah. Well, my it's advice amazing. is you might want to contact a couple of television stations because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ac accurate forecasters of the weather are things that are in demand. Yeah. <laughs> the birds can do it. <laughs> now, do you happen to have what, – what, what's your sweet spot? What, what bird do you just get a little bit more giddy at um, when you first hear oh. it? Oh, for me um, – 
I am infatuated with raptors. So for me, it's it's the hawks, the um, falcons, those kinds of things. When I hear those sounds, I get really excited. Probably my favorite one I ever saw out here was a broadwing hawk. They're a smaller hawk. They like wetlands because they feed on things like amphibians, and they're migratory, so we don't get to see them year-round. But they're pretty elusive, so you don't see them very often. And um, we've had them here, and when you hear their call, it's like it's like nothing else that you hear. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess the broadwing hawk. But huh. don't tell our red-tailed hawks that. They okay. might get upset with me. Okay. <laughs> and, and, you do have, and you do have on display a type of raptor, last I knew, but uh, I knew mm-hmm. they were being rehabilitated, so I don't know. I, I think they were there, and as long as they were able to, they couldn't be released in the wild, if I remember. Yes, so we do still have our two male red-tailed hawks. They're in in one enclosure together outside. So, um, and then we also have a American crow outside, hmm. and then we have um, an eastern screech owl inside. So the crow and the two hawks can be seen anytime the park is open. Um, then people can come in and see the owl if they're quiet. He'll stay out, and they can see him when they're inside the building. And that's and and for those listening, the the idea that I think there was maybe wing damage or something like that on, yeah. on them, which meant that this is the best place for them. Permanent, yeah. So all of our birds that we have are permanent residents for uh, injury reasons. Our two red-tailed hawks each have wings that are injured to the point where they can't use them. Um, and then our crow is imprinted, which is, is not a surprise because they're super smart. So he behaves a lot like a human being, and he's very attracted to people which is not good for a bird in the wild, um, <laughs> that they don't survive very well if they tend to be attracted to people. And then um, our screech owl is actually missing an eye, so she only has so, one eye. So before I, we let you go, uh, do you have an event coming up here shortly uh, that you wanted to bring up? Sure, yeah, we, we have a new event. We tried it once in December. It was a huge success. It's called Wine in the Woods. It's for adults only, so 21 and older. Um, it's going to be on Saturday, March 12th at 7 p.m., and we do ask that people register in order to participate, and they can do that on our website. Um, but you just bring your favorite beverage. We're going to do a nice long guided walk in the nighttime woods, and then we're going to enjoy time around the campfire um, with gourmet s'mores. So, so it's a lot of fun. Bring your friends out, date night, any of those kinds of things. Sounds like a great event. Well, Katie, I hate to say it, but we're out of time. But we want to thank you so much for the information. We've been speaking this morning with Katie Adams and Rick. Unfortunately, just like the birds, the time has flown. So uh, on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and my co-host in the studio, Rick Bruce, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend, great week ahead. We'll talk next Next weekend on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. <laughs>